Betsy Boldesmeinen, producer of ConnectaPod. We're in residency at the Village Family Services Drop-In Center in North Hollywood, doing Changing the Narrative Season 3, Unhoused Youth. And we're bringing you stories of the Tay in interviews with and episodes created by the transitional aged youth of the DIC. I was recently at the DIC, and I happened to meet Ricardo Cobian. He had just aged out of the program at 25, and he'd come back to say thank you to the staff. One of the hardest cases, Ricardo has reached the other shore and is finding success as an artist. We had an impromptu sit-down, and he shared his story. Okay, so I'm here with Ricardo Cobian, who is a former Tay, now officially, right? Yeah. <laughs> so why don't we start with what you're doing right now? Okay, as of right now, I'm just dedicating my life entirely into art. I've luckily through through this program it really helped me just focus and, and really discover my my passion, you know. So through that, through the shelter, just having the safe environment and you know, just time to myself. All the built up emotions from being in the streets and, and being by myself, I I needed a showcase and you know express it somehow and and, yeah. and it's just I, I, that's where my heart is at so let's back up a little bit um how long were you a part of this program i got here when well, i turned 22 and they put me in the shelter within like three days and i was i was in the burbank shelter for like a year year and a half almost and how long were you homeless before that uh since 18. 18 to 22, you were. Yeah. What kind of shape were you in when you got here? Man, I was just in the lowest, lowest shape. Um, I mean, it was really bad when I first got to LA. That's where, because I didn't know nobody. I was raised in the, the outskirts of Fresno in the uh, agricultural towns, you know. I, I grew up picking cantaloupes, tomatoes, alfalfa fields, weeding them every summer, you know. Even after I graduated, like, I was still devoting my time working 12 hours a day, you know, seven days a week. Wow. My family had to move back to Mexico. And so, and then I had problems too, like, with my family, like, not necessarily with me, but, you know, my how my family was, like, uh, just how they are. I'm very distinct than, than any, other, any other family member, right? And so I, I had to leave. I had to leave that small town, and um, I always wanted to come to Los Angeles because I grew up skateboarding. And uh, that was my passion. I got here and I only had about $800. And I met these two guys, they blessed me. God bless their souls, but I was a young 18 year old kid and they rented me a room for rent in their apartment. I only lived there for like two months and it was like 6.30 a month. I was so young and dumb. From there, I just, just went straight into, from one friend's house into, and then he was very badly addicted to drugs. And I've never been the one that, you know, involved myself into that. I'm not that type of person. And I just found myself in the streets in, in uh, North Hollywood Park, Magnolia. I would just, yeah. I would uh, try to sleep as much as I could, uh, I could in the red line from, from North Hollywood Union Station all the way until like 2 or 3 a.m. And then uh, I'll come walk around for a bit try to get energy and once the sun starts like starts peaking a little bit i'll go to north hollywood park and just try to nap for as much as i could because I, that's the one thing I, I cannot sleep outside in the dark so i was just always on my, too, on too my scary, toes yeah scary. like you know and i've had stuff happen to me like that so i'm not risking anything i would always sleep a couple hours you know during the sunrise and then just try to like survive and stuff but that was like in the initial stages where I didn't know anyone and any like nothing and um and then eventually the people that I did meet 
And it was it was good at the time, but in the long run, it, it wasn't that good because I was young at the time. I didn't have nothing, nobody looking over me, so they took advantage of that. And then also, since I'm not from out here, you know, the, when the people would ask me where I'm from, and they all tell them I'm from Northern Cali. That's where, that's a automatic red flag to where you know they. Why is that a red flag? Uh, just from the whole street culture, you know, Southern California. They have major problems with Northern California. Oh, really? Yeah, it's, it's embedded from the prison systems and the gangs and stuff. Like, it's it's from at least 50 years, you know, of just internal war between the, the Northern Hispanics and the Southern Hispanics. And I got embraced by Central Americans, people that just crossed the border illegally, you know, that, that were paying, their, you know, feeding the family back home. And all my family is in Mexico. And even though I'm born here in the U.S., you know, I, I still relate to them 100% more than anybody else out here, you know, because we had that, that same hunger and that same drive to feed our family. At the end of the day, that was our goal by any means necessary. You know, it wasn't no gang, no no affiliation or nothing like that. It was just, you know, trying to make money as any way possible. And I gave them all the respect I could. Was this other homeless youth, or was this nah, families? these were grown-ups. These, were they homeless, though, or were they, like, settled? Borderline home, homeless. I'm telling you, like, they were straight from the border. I, I lived with them for, for many years. I, I met this one guy. Uh, he basically told me, like, hey, man, I see you struggling. Hey, man, you want to make some money? I was like, yeah, how much? He's like, you want to make 5000 I'm like, yeah, I'll do, I'll do anything. And I didn't really believe him at first, but... Long story short, I was going to Mexico back and forth. I was living, spending a lot of time in Mexico and and doing a lot of crazy things. It's like, a lot of demons, you know, like, because they saw I didn't have nothing. I didn't have no mom looking over me. I had no no girlfriend, nothing. And, uh, and I got papers too, you know, I'm born out here. Even though I was receiving money, I was still homeless because they would still treat me the same. Like when I come back out here, I didn't have no place to stay. They would have their families or whatever. I still didn't have nothing, but I would have money in my pocket, but still homeless. So they weren't necessarily helping you, they were taking advantage of you. Yeah, exactly. At the end of the day, it's just, you're, everybody's disposable in that world. I was in that world for for a couple of years, and, um, and I was just driving myself more and more crazy because I hadn't seen my family like in, in three years. And the crazy thing about it is that I would be in Mexico in the same town as my mom, in the same town, but I wasn't allowed to go see my mother. It was just a bunch of mind tricks and mind games that, that were just playing my heart and just ruining me. I, I saw a lot, of, a lot of good friends like, just take their own life, and uh, after you see that so much, it starts hitting on you. Like, it ain't nothing to do that, and it's, most likely it's going to happen, you know. Time is ticking, but it's going to happen with that and like just being malnourished and you know not having a safe roof over your head just leads into just insanity really now i know what i was doing was bad so i'll try to escape like delete my number and everything but somehow some way i would still get found how did you eventually free yourself all the respect i had to come i had to go talk to you know another another opportunity came up and i was like Nah, I was like, bro, this is all I got right now. I was like, I cannot risk anything else, bro. I was like, man, because my mom's in Mexico and that's my priority, bro. And my priority ain't to be helping out no homie or nothing, bro. And my priority is feeding my family. And I cannot do this no more. And it was just a lot.
Yeah. You know. What did you do with all the, the money that you made? I gave it to my mom. I gave it to my mom. But so what I did get, though, was just a lot of mental stress and a lot of... PTSD? Yeah, like just mental problems that I feel is going to affect me for the rest of my life. You know? This was like, obviously, you got to a point where you didn't want to be there anymore and you felt like you couldn't get out. You risked everything to go and say, let me go, right? Yeah. So how was that taken and how did you start to change everything? How it was taken was like, all right, man, well, you know, you're on your own, whatever. And I've always been very suicidal since a kid, you know. I, I was my plan, but I wanted to go kill myself when I turned 22 at the police station. That was my main goal. I was like, all right, this is my day, you know, I liberated myself, I'm good. And it got to the point that it wasn't even no sad thing anymore. It was something that I looked forward to, you know, just Wow, to, you know, it was just a plan. Why the police station? I was just so nobody got to see my dead body. So the cops could do what they get paid to do and just clean up the scene. I don't got to disturb nobody from killing myself at the park or in the public space, you know? Wow. And I was staying in Burbank at the time. I was at the park, sleeping at the park over there. And and I don't know how or, or, or something just clicked in my mind. I knew of homeless shelters, right? But I didn't know of, like, this type of where there was, like, for the youth. Right, so you knew there were shelters, but you didn't know that there was specially... Yeah, because I didn't want to go in another drug-infested area where people were going to try to test me and it was going to cause me to cause violence and stuff. I was like, I'm never going to go out there. I saw that there was one, uh, this one right here, and I was like, what? And um, it just clicked on me. I Like, I felt so good that I found that. I was like, what? I walked in here and I wasn't really looking for anything. I just wanted to come get some food or whatever. And uh, I talked to one of the ladies and asked me, like, oh, what's wrong with you? Where are you living? And I was like, I'm living at the park. She's like, how you feeling? And uh, I didn't know she was writing stuff, but I told her the truth. It's, it's going to happen. And she's like, what? And like, I told you, you know, I'm, I don't care about nothing no more. I don't care about my, my whole life. So I was living every single day, just walking out, just hoping that somebody would do something to me before I do it to myself. So my parents won't have that guilt of, like, damn, my kid killed himself. <laughs> I wanted to get out of here. I ain't, I ain't happy living. And they saw all of that, and they took me in. They were like, man, you, you acting real crazy. Like, we're scared that you're going to do something to yourself. They were like, no, nah, you can't leave right now. So I got kind of mad. And then they told me about the homeless shelter. And God aligned it to me, and uh, he put me in, in the in Burbank within, like, two days. And, and even still, like, I still had a lot of mental tension. And even I was talking to a behavior specialist right here too. And there's, uh, there's a lot of, you know, mental problems that I feel it's, it's developed back then, but it's gonna affect me for the rest of my life until I, I leave. And, and, you know, that's the fact that I accepted. And I'm just trying to deal with them on a day-to-day -day basis mm -hmm. and as much as I could. Were you doing art through that, through, through that time? Uh, I was disconnected from skateboarding, from everything, from, because I, I didn't have nothing. My last thing in my mind was, because I was dying of hunger, like very malnourished, you know, I was very skinny and I didn't have nothing, no nothing. And then also just a lot of, you know, suicidal thoughts. I was just like, man, what's... But I did write a lot though. You did write? Oh my God, I wrote a lot of, on my mind, my heart, because that's, I got a, a lot of suicide journals and talking about my life and how I'm, I'm happy to leave and all the stuff I've done and a lot of guilt. That's what it was. I'm, I felt very guilty of my past, and, and, and I would just talk to God and 
just uh, ask him, you know, please, like, take me before you take any other family member. What does painting do for you? I know this is going to sound crazy because I would write a lot, a lot, a lot of my mind, like poetry and stuff. And I wanted to visually express my my anxiety and, and how I felt by myself. And so I wanted to paint bright colors, just like a lot of craziness, a lot of like devilish, a lot of demons in my head. I, I wanted to express them because you can only do so much with words. You got to visually represent how, how you're feeling sometimes. And I wanted to leave paintings yeah. as well as words. Because I've definitely noticed that through time, like my, my paintings have, have evolved. It's sort of like the light at the end of the tunnel. And this is where, where I feel good. This is where I'm seeing real positive outcomes. This is where I, I really feel good after painting. And, and I really feel like, like I had a full conversation with, with, with somebody I, I really cared for. It's sort of like the ugly turned into pretty. Yeah. Like, you were really in a, in a low place, right? In a really low place. But you were there for a while before you found the DIC. What made you go, all right, I can do this? Yeah, I mean, with just, like, the little that they gave me, I I was so grateful for it. Because I, I thought they were just going to put me in, in the shelter, but even the fact that they gave me, like, a bar of soap, a towel, some blankets, it really helped me out. And then the counselors, how they were talking about the resources and how eventually you could move on into housing. I, I was like, man, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. I saw all the resources and like, I don't got no family. I don't got nothing no more. Like even the house that I grew up in, that shit don't exist. Like I don't got nothing. So you can't go back. I, exactly. I already put all my heart, my everything into just trying to survive in the streets. When you're living every single day, just looking for somebody to kill you before you kill yourself, you know, you don't fear much. Right. I just think back of all the crazy moments in my life and think how I'm not supposed to be here right now. You know, I'm not yeah. supposed to be talking to you. I'm, I'm 100% supposed to be locked up in prison or already in ashes. Man, I'm just very grateful just to be here and that's all I could ever ask for. It's just, it's another uh, opportunity at, at life. It's. So what, what do you want to do with your second chance? I just want art, just paint, just express myself. I don't, I don't want to just die and like have my, my whole troubles just thrown away. Things that I, I experienced in my past, homelessness, that uh, leads me to paint. And um, that's a forever story that's going to continue until I die. I'm not just painting, you know, famous people or like, you know, fruits in the table. Nah, I got I got real stuff in my head. I got real emotions in my head that that lead me to, to paint like abstract figures with a with a very uh, distinct meaning to me personally, and people could, could uh, gravitate to because it's it's all emotion based. You could depict certain things in a painting that resonate only with you. Like you could put little key details, little numbers, little dates. Try to like put a name backwards, hide a name in there and be like, oh, I did this painting because of this and people think it's something else, but really they didn't know because they didn't know that I was just you know, going through a real suicidal time in my life. Where is your stuff on display now? I got it on, on Saatchi Art. I just got blessed with uh, a free booth with, uh, it's called the Other Art Fair. 
I think I got like 10 pieces in there right now. I like, I, I like selling paintings just whatever people try to offer me because I, I, I feel so humble and so very grateful for it when people try to like offer me money for my paintings. So I don't care if, what, what the amount is because I want to help out people like for them to really believe in me. I, I can't put no price in that. I don't care how much money you got, bro. Here, take it. Yeah. And all the people that I have bought from me, it's going to be the best investment they ever made. <laughs> I'd buy one. I'd buy one right now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I swear. I tell them <laughs> this is going to be worth more than Bitcoin very soon. <laughs> and so, and for money, though, you're working in, in the cannabis? Um, yeah, in the cannabis industry. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and that's steady, and then you got your art that's steady, and you've got your housing that's steady. Yeah. Right? Yes, ma'am. Yeah, housing is going good. Thank God, like, I tell myself every day, like, I'm never going to go back to to where I was because I, I'll be very unfortunate if I ever go back, you know? If there were another you out there, right, going in the throes of when you were in the worst place, what would you say to them? Oh man, we'll definitely try to find a homeless shelter like this because I ain't know this homeless shelter is like I, at all until I turned 22 and I was about to kill myself and God sent me a message. Oh my God, when I found about this place, I, I got so mad at myself for like a couple of days. So I was like, man, if I would have found this place when I was 18, imagine that. My whole life would have been, I, I don't know where, the, where I would have been, but I was like, bro, like, all this shit I went through for nothing. Because this whole place was here this whole time. Like, I was like, shit. I was oh my gosh. So, if you're struggling, like, I don't know, you just find a, a little homeless shelter like this. Because, I mean, unless you're in a, in a third world country, and I understand there's no other thing but to be in the streets and try to make it. But, like I said, nowadays, there ain't no reason to be yeah. doing that, I swear it clicked. I was like, I did that shit for nothing. Like, yeah. I mean, it paid off because I, I don't know really, because I got, you know, like I said, I got affected with my mind for the rest of my life. And so, but what can I do? You know, at the end of the day, that's, that's how, yeah. you know, my, my book was written. Ricardo is busy writing the next chapter. He was recently named New Futures Prize winner at the Other Art Fair Los Angeles, Spring 2021. And if you'd like to check out Ricardo's work, go to sachiart.com forward slash Ricardo Cobian. And there's also a link in the description. If you're between the ages of 14 and 24 and you're struggling with homelessness or trying to not fall into homelessness, stop by the drop-in center at the Village Family Services. No judgments. They're on the corner of Van Owen and Coldwater. The entrance is in the back of the building. They have a ton of resources and they'll help you. Thank you, Haunted Horses NYC, for our theme song, True, And thank you for listening. Talk to you soon.